Stand by for adventure. Stand by for mystery. Stand by for the Icebox Radio Theater and Rum Runner Sue. It's not always easy running a saloon in a country that criminalized the sale of alcohol. In the best of times, it's a darn nuisance. While in the worst of times, well, the worst of times are usually best forgotten as soon as possible. Take, for example, the mess I found myself in the other day when my good friend Sheriff John Beauregard came to visit the establishment I'd run with little or no interference from him for several years. This time, however, things were different. Susan, put down that gun. You put down yours, Bo. I can't let you get away with this. Then you're going to have to shoot me. I don't want to do it, Sue. All right, then I'll shoot you. Interested? Pull up a stool and I'll tell you about it. Yes, it's Rum Runner Sue, starring Billy Joe Cones. Mystery and adventure in the northern wilderness of Prohibition America. We'll be back with tonight's exciting story right after this. The year, 1927. The place, Icebox, Minnesota. A tiny village on Rainy Lake, the island's spotted paradise that forms the border between the United States and Canada. Between the great social experiment of prohibition and the legal production and distribution of lady liquor. Just off Main Street sits a tiny establishment called the Deacon Seat. Home and throne room to the queen of these parts, the owner-operator of beauty in checkered flannel and dungarees, Susan Conti. Or, as she's known in these parts, Rum Runner Sue. It occurs to me I may have started this story a little far downstream, and that some backpedaling may be in order. Yes, my friend Bo and I did end up in a 44 caliber standoff, but things didn't start there. They started 48 hours earlier when Mary and I, Mary being my best friend and partner in crime, were minding our own business in the tomato patch out back of the bar. Actually, I was gardening and Mary was, as usual, meddling. Nothing happened? I'm not talking about this. But something happened, right? Mary, please. My personal life is none of your concern. But I thought we was friends. Oh, don't say things like that. You mean you're not my friend? Of course I'm your friend. I'm just saying our friendship doesn't mean I have to share a lot of steamy details about my relationship with Bo. So the details are steamy, huh? <sighs> How do you trap me like that? <laughs> Every time, too. It's easy, because you're split in two on this issue. Excuse me? Well, you're feeling both friendly and infuriated about the man, which means you're off kilter. Don't take much to tip a girl over when she's off balance like that. Well, you don't need to tease me. Honestly, it's like you've never had a proper girlfriend before. I have. It's just, my friends were nice. Polite. Boring. Well, you're not wrong there. But I will attempt to curtail my teasing instinct for your benefit. Unless something happens. Like what? Like if Bo should arrive unexpectedly. He's driving up as we speak. I'm sure I don't care what Bo does. How's my hair? You look good. Earthy. Earthy? But you've been working in the garden for pity's sake. Say, who's he got with him? I don't know. Susan, a moment? Sure thing, Bo. I guess we're going to find out. Tomatoes look good. Thank you. Juicy, too. I was just saying that Susan Conti makes the best Italian spaghetti sauce in the Northland. Thank you kindly, Bo. Who's your friend? Yeah. Oh, well, pardon me. Sue, this is Johannes Anderson up from St. Paul. How do you do? Very well, thank you. 
May I present my associate, Mary Wills? Charm. And do you ladies run this establishment on your own? Owner-operator for three years now. I see. And you specialize in cuisine of the Italian variety. I wouldn't say specialize, but a big pot of spaghetti does fill up the lagers. Yes. And how exactly do the lagers wash it all down? Beg pardon? Uh, Johannes is new to the area, up from the federal building in St. Paul. Prohibition office. Oh, is that so? Yes, Mrs. Conti. And to save time, I feel I should get right to the point. Uh, now we talked about this. Sheriff, this case is no longer your concern. Thank you for your help, but I'll take it from here. His help? Yes, ma'am. Sheriff Beauregard assures me I can find a considerable stash of contraband liquor in your cellar. What? What the hell, Bo? Uh, l- let me explain. Anderson and I worked out a deal. Y- you'll lose your stash, Sue, but you won't land in jail, understand? Y- you'll keep your freedom. It took some doing to convince my superiors of this. You should be thanking Sheriff Beauregard. Thanking him? I don't... I'm not... Ah, uh, uh, here are your deputies right on time. Spiffy work, Beauregard. Yes, sir. This is my search warrant. You'll find it all in order. Now, would you like to take us to the cellar? Or do we force the door? Um, it's not locked. And Bo knows the way. Very good. Thank you for your cooperation, Mrs. Conti. And I sincerely hope you stay on the straight and narrow from now on. Good day. Sue, calm down. No! I'm washing the dishes! You're denting them is what you're doing, and you've already washed them four times. Well, you wouldn't let me do the flatware. Because there's knives in there. I fail to see the problem. Susan, you're gonna have to calm down sooner or later because we're gonna have to figure a way out of this. What's to figure? I trusted a man and he ruined my life. Again. It's just a minor setback. And Bo's still on our side. Or was, until this Anderson fellow forced his hand. Didn't you see Bo's eyes back there? You didn't want to do it. Whose side are you on? My side. I like this job, and I like working with you, and we're not going to go on doing that if you start braining policemen with cooking pots. I never said I'd do that. It was implied. We're in a pickle here. And you're the one who always figures a way out of pickles. So, you need to get on your game. I'm sorry. All I can think about is getting my hands on that man. Well, try and put a positive spin on that, because he just pulled up. He what? He's here. Right now. Give me my pot back, the big one. Hold your horses. Please, for my sake, just listen to him. Fine. Hello? Mary? Got your gun? What? Never mind. Just go easy. Uh, Right. Susan, I... I thought I could trust you. Sue, my hands were tied. Don't you give me any of that nonsense. We had an agreement. We had a system. We had a relationship, John Beauregard. And you threw all that away the first time some Volstead lackey snapped his fingers. Now, wait a minute. I lost $500 worth of inventory today, Sheriff. $500 worth of quality stuff that would help the men in this town relax at the end of the day and take their mind off things, and we didn't let them drink too much. 
And we made sure they got home to their wives. And we made sure we didn't sell that poisoned garbage that men like Anderson put into the system. I never agreed with that program. I don't care what you agree with because I don't care what you think, Sheriff. Oh, is that so? Yes, it's so. Well, that's not what you said last night. What? Oh, you would bring that up. You're darn right I'll bring it up. I'll, I'll bring it up because I put myself on the line for you, Susan. Just like I put myself on the line for you a dozen times with other characters, just like Anderson. Difference was, those others never got on the train and came up here. I had no choice this time. He showed up unannounced. You think I like kowtowing to toadies like him? So I'm supposed to be grateful? You still have your bar, and you're not in jail. I'm supposed to be grateful. Well, some consideration would be nice. Okay. Thank you, Sheriff. Thank you for all that you do for the community. That's not what I'm talking about, and you know it. I'm sure I don't know what you're talking about, Sheriff. I'm talking about last night. <gasps> I, I wasn't going to let them take you away. Not now. Wow, what happened last night? I... Uh, coming here was a mistake. Susan, I'm sorry. Um... Don't. Yeah, but... You see... Don't, Mary. Just don't. Where are you going? For a walk. Do you want some company or... Okay. And I needed a walk, alone. So I cut through the woods to the lakeshore and the longest stretch of uninterrupted beach in the territory. The moon was new, the air was muggy, and the sand was heavy. But all that was fine by me. I wanted to be away from people. Yes, I did see Bo's point about Anderson coming up unannounced. As much as I wanted to blame him for the whole situation, I could see where possibly his hands had been tied. Maybe he had time to call and warn me, maybe he didn't. I don't know what I would have done if such a warning came. Mary and I couldn't have moved all the bottles out of the cellar in time. And besides, we would have had concealment of a crime added to the charges against us. But as I walked and thought and listened to the lake waves, that wasn't the thing I found myself sticking on. Bo had alluded to an event that had taken place just 24 hours earlier. I had, against my better judgment, accepted an invite to Bo's bachelor cabin for a drink. Things were slow at the deacon seat, so I didn't see the harm. Then, that was my first mistake. My second mistake was letting Bo goad me into a very familiar and very tiresome argument. The food is great, you know. You don't need to trade in hooch to get customers. It's nice of you to say, Bo, but we both know it's more complicated than that. I still owe favors to people down south. Yeah, Capone and his gang, you mean? He's always been good to me. But things are changing down there. The bootlegging game is getting rougher, and, well, some of these gangs play for keeps. I'm pretty far away from all that. No, Sue, I don't think you are. What do you mean? What I'm trying to say is the gangs are consolidating. Pretty soon there's only going to be two left, and then we'll have a war. Maybe Capone comes out on top, maybe he doesn't. Point is, yeah, if you end up on the wrong side of this thing, your friends might not be able to help you. What do you suggest? Convert the bar into a tea room? Uh, not the worst idea. Mary's baking is getting better. If you like buttermilk hockey pucks. But that's not why we're talking about this, is it? Uh, what do you mean? Why are you so concerned with my safety? I'm concerned with everyone's safety. That's my job. Yeah, but you don't go around telling the loggers or the farmers how to do their jobs. 
That privilege seems to be reserved for me. Yeah, you don't think I respect you. Ha! If I thought that, I wouldn't be having drinks in your cabin after dark. I'm just interested as to why I, in particular, am worthy of your attention. You're interested, huh? Yeah. As you've pointed out, Bo, life can be dangerous. And also short. And I'm no shrinking violet. <laughs> Never thought you were. That's good. Now why don't you tell me why you're so concerned about me that you invited me over for drinks this fine spring evening? The record finished. Lucky record. Sue, I... I don't think this could work. That why you invited me over? To tell me it couldn't work? Honest to God, I don't remember why I invited you now. I get it. It's a dime novel, this plot of ours. The bootlegger and the sheriff. But we both know real life is more complicated than the dime novels. Yeah, that it is. But unlike dime novels, we don't have to wrap things up by the final chapter. We can just let things be complicated. Complicated? Complicated. What sort of complication were you interested in, Ms. Conti? The one that starts with you taking off that badge. Okay, not the smartest thing I've ever done, but I don't regret it. Well, I don't regret most of it. Bo is, if nothing else, a stand-up man. And I'd hate to think I caused him to compromise his personal code by drinking with me. When I was probably a mile from the deacon's seat, I turned around and headed back. I was calm, cool, and collected by then, and was already thinking about which contacts of mine could replace my lost inventory the quickest. The prohibition enforcement people couldn't afford to put an agent in our tiny county full-time, and that meant that sooner or later, Johannes Anderson would be boarding a train back to St. Paul. And that fact alone was enough to bring a smile to my face. Well, that and a collection of memories from the night before, and where those memories might lead once Bo had been made to grovel sufficiently. I half expected Mary to leap on me when I walked through the door. Sue! I just didn't expect her to do it literally. Get out of here! What's wrong? Deputies, they're lying in wait outside for you. What? Bo came by a minute after you left, and I didn't know where you'd gone. He lit out after you and left two deputies behind. Susan Conti, this is the police. Come out with your hands up. You gotta be kidding me. After all this, they're arresting me anyway? You don't understand. That Anderson fellow from St. Paul? They found him dead. What? We're gonna count to three, Susan. Don't give us any trouble. Yeah, in his room at the Voyager Arms. One. Come on! Where are they? Two. Out front. There's only two of them, and I can see them both side by side. Head out the back. Oh, I hope I don't regret this. Three. I got away scot-free and took off into the woods, heading for one of the more secluded coves along the lake. From there, I waited for my heart to stop beating like a snare drum and tried to wrap my brains around what had happened. Anderson was dead, and the police were after me. Bo I didn't worry about so much, but some of his deputies had proven to be a little trigger-happy in the past. My options were limited to turning myself into Bo, if I could find him, or figuring out what happened to the man from St. Paul. And considering the fact that Bo had his hands tied before, it wasn't a sure thing he could help me now. So once again, 
this northern girl was on her own. Up the shore a little ways, I knew a fishing guide who ran a case or two of Canada's finest across the border when business was slow. He seemed to know of my trouble, but insisted I say nothing about it as a condition of his help. And help he did. We got into his boat and slipped out into the lake, keeping close to the center and the Canadian border just in case. A half hour later, he dropped me off at a boat landing about a mile away from International Falls, our county seat, in the location of the hotel where Anderson had been done in. I hiked in, made for an all-night diner I knew had a phone booth, and rousted the coroner out of a deep sleep for a few questions. He owed me a favor after a garden party his wife threw was enlivened by some fine brandy I just happened to have on hand. From the coroner, I learned Anderson had been shot through the heart with a small-caliber bullet, probably a twenty-two. Close range, powder burns on his coat. I thanked him, allowed him to return to his slumber, then slipped out of the diner. I kept to the back streets and alleys until I made my way to the hotel. One of the nightmaids was an old friend of Mary's. You sure this won't get me in trouble, Miss Susan? I promise. I just need to look around a bit. Thank you, Myrtle. Uh-oh. Any friend of Mary's a friend of mine. You mind my asking why you're here? Let's just say I have a personal interest in this case and leave it at that. If you say so. Pretty clear a gun was fired in here recently. You can still smell the powder. I hate that smell. And I think, yeah, there's a hole in this easy chair. You mean, he was sitting there when... Oh my gracious. Has the sheriff been up to this room yet? No. They just came and took the body away. Gave us orders to keep it locked. Thanks for the use of your passkey, by the way. Don't mention it. Really, don't. I-, I could lose my job. Noted. Bed hasn't been slept in. Bottle of tonic water and three, no, four glasses. Where for? I, I only see three on the tray. There on the floor next to the chair. I, I should pick that up. Don't touch it, Myrtle. This is a crime scene, remember? Right, uh, right. But four glasses? Y- yes, that's standard order if the guests ask for refreshments from room service. Always four glasses? Well, no. We're supposed to ask how many in the party and send up a glass for each. So Anderson had some visitors then? I I wouldn't know. I I didn't come on duty until after it happened. Still, it follows. Anderson was shot while sitting in the easy chair. The glass he had in his hand fell to the carpet. Did anyone hear anything? Not really. The guest below thought he might have heard a shot, but didn't report it for a few minutes. I heard the house detective found him when he checked on the noise. Small caliber gun pressed right against him. There wouldn't be much noise. Question is, who were his three visitors? I could ask the desk man. He might have recognized them. Oh, could you? It would be a big help. Sure. I'll just... Who opened that door? Can we do anything right tonight? I'm sorry, Bo. I don't know. Oh, no. The sheriff. What's wrong? Myrtle, I was never here, understand? You came in to tidy the room. But we were told to stay out. Just play dumb. What? Perfect. Closet, closet, closet. You there. What are you doing here? I'm, uh, the maid. You people were told this room was off limits. It's a crime scene, you understand? Uh, um. Please, you you didn't do anything wrong, but we need you to clear out now, all right? Uh, All right. Did you tell the staff to seal this room? I did, Sheriff, I swear. 
Well, never mind. Just no more slip-ups, okay? Yes, sir. I didn't touch anything, just like you said. There's the glass on the floor and the bullet hole on the chair. No hole at the back of the chair. We'll need to dig out the slug. <laughs> yes, sir. But first, tell me what the night manager said. He said the desk clerk saw three well-dressed men come in about 11 p.m. and ask for Anderson. Desk clerk sends them up to his room. About five minutes later, mm -hmm. Anderson calls a room service and asks for a tonic water, ice, and glasses. Five minutes after that, three men leave, but nobody checks the room until five minutes later when a guest says he heard a noise. Then, that's when they found the body. Well-dressed men, the desk clerk said. Yes, sir. They were all turned out, like rich Chicago fellas, he said. Yeah, Chicago. Of course they were. You think it was Capone's men? No. I don't know. Capone's too smart to waste a bullet on a low-level fed like Anderson. Besides, if he ordered drinks for them all, it sounds like he knew the men. You want us to keep looking for Rum Runner Sue? Don't call her that, but yes. I need to question her. Even though it's looking pretty unlikely, she pulled the trigger. Then why'd she run? Uh, probably had some harebrained idea to go solve the mystery herself. That female's always getting in too deep. <laughs> Did you hear something? No. Let's go down and see the night manager and seal the room good this time. I could have sworn I heard something coming. Caldwell? Let's go. Uh, yes, sir. two lawmen left. I counted to ten and snuck out of the room, figuring the staff would ask Bo to keep to the back stairs. Hotels are always sensitive about uniformed cops being too visible. I put on my best I belong here face and marched out through the lobby. Sure enough, no one batted an eye, and Bo and his deputies were nowhere to be seen. That at least got me out of the building, but it left me with nowhere to go. My first thought was to get back to the phone and try to call Chicago. Had my friend Al Capone really done this? Had he really ordered the murder of a federal agent? I couldn't believe that, but I wasn't so naive as to think Al didn't have a dark side. He was gentle as a lamb with me, but that was because, well, because of reasons I'd rather not go into right now. My next option was to go to Bo directly. Unfortunately, Bo almost certainly would put me under house arrest or worse just to keep me out of the way. I needed time to think of my next move, and I was getting tired of skulking around dark alleys. But I did think of one fairly good option. There was a ferry that ran from the falls over to Fort Francis, Ontario. Not even a five-minute ride, but it would take me out of the U.S. in Bo's jurisdiction. I had a few friends on the Canadian side. I do a lot of, ahem, business with them, and I was confident I could lay low while working things out. As it turned out, though, the solution to my problem was a lot closer than I expected. Well, bless my stars, that's not Susan Conti, is it? Hello, Edgar. How's the ferry business? Oh, pretty slow this time of night. Are you looking to cross? If I could. Oh, yeah. Right, watch your step. Four bits a round trip, two bits a one-way, please. I always wondered... Why do you never ask for the fare until after you leave the dock? Well, as certain passengers, I might be persuaded to take a kiss in place of coin. <laughs> oh, you. What would Edith say? <laughs> oh, I'm only fooling. Here you are. Two bits. 
Say you ain't fixing to emigrate, are you, Sue? I need some time to sort things out, Edgar. I suppose you heard about the trouble at the hotel. Oh, the shooting, you mean. I heard some. What's that got to do with you? The fellow that was killed was a federal agent. He just about put me out of business earlier today. Federal agent, you say? That's right. Uh, Swede, about six foot tall, square jaw, name of Anderson? Sure. You know him? Well, nope, but uh, took him across. Day before last, he rode into the falls. What was he doing over in Canada? Don't know. Only took him one way. What? He only went Fort to Falls, not the other way around. So he came from Canada? Bo told me he arrived on the train from St. Paul. Well, if he went from the depot across the border, he didn't do it on my ferry. But it looked official. One of the sheriff's deputies met him at the dock. He did, huh? Surely. Oh, and there was something else fishy about that fella. What's that? Well, before he went to shore, he paid me two dollars to hold on to something for him. Said he'd pick it up in a couple of days when he came back. He planning to return to Canada, huh? What was the item he asked you to hold? Well, I... I suppose a fella's dead, so don't make no never mind now. It was a pin. You still have it? Fella paid me two dollars, didn't he? Here, it's, uh, it's in my change drawer. There. Bjorn Soner. I wonder what it means. Well, didn't you get any education down there at your fancy English school? Who said I went to a fancy school? Only everyone in town. What's it mean, Edgar? Sons of Bjorn, of course. You even got the three crowns there below the lettering. The Tri-Kroner. Sons of Bjorn. Sons of Bjorn. Edgar, can you turn this thing around? Well, yeah, sure. Well, once we get to the other shore and pick up any passengers. But I have to find Bo. I have to talk to him. This is the break I've been looking for. Well, that's not all, Missy. What do you mean? Well, if you want to go back to the American side... You gotta give me another two bits. Mary, thank goodness. Are you crazy? They're right outside. Yeah, and they still don't know enough to guard the back door. What are you doing? What's it look like? I'm checking my 32. Is there still a scattergun under the bar? Yes, but... Go get it, and bring a box of shells. You fixing to go to war with somebody? Hopefully not, but I don't trust anyone at this point. Least of all Bo's deputies. What? What did they do? Probably nothing, but they might be on the other side. What other side? Sue, what are you talking about? Johannes Anderson was part of a group called the Sons of Bjorn. There were Thorn and Al Capone's side all over the Midwest trying to put him out of business. Do-gooders? No, rivals. They're a Scandinavian gang who don't like it that the bootlegging in this part of the country is controlled by foreign interests. Who's foreign? Ow? Let's just say that if your grandfather came from Sicily, you're not white enough for the sons of Bjorn. And you think a federal agent was in on it? That's the thing. I don't think he was a federal agent. Johannes Anderson didn't come into town on the train. He came down from Canada on the ferry. Why would he lie about that? Why indeed? Susan Conti, this is the police. Who'd they send? Just deputies. There's a whole flock of them outside now. This is the police. Come out with your hands up and there'll be no trouble. Go to hell! Sue, what are you doing? Just giving them food for thought. I don't trust these fellas any farther than I can throw them. And I don't want them busting up my place. Well then, why not invite them in to talk? Got my reasons. You can just stay out there unless you have a search warrant. We're giving you to the town of three, Connie. One. I feel like we've been here before. Two. Get down! They're shooting at us! I told you they couldn't be trusted. Get ready to make a break out the back way. What? 
Make for the woods and Madame Rose's. She'll shelter us for a bit. What is going on? No time. I gotta clear the way for us. You're shooting at the cops? Back door, now! I don't like this suit. Just move! Hold it! <gasps> for pity's sake, Bo, I could have blown your head off. Susan, uh, put down that gun. You put down yours. I can't let you get away with this. Then you're going to have to shoot me. I don't want to do it, Sue. All right, then. I'll shoot you. Wait! I know you didn't kill him. Cold comfort at this point. Anderson's lackeys are on your force and they're out there taking shots at us. What are you talking about? Ever see one of these? Catch. Sons of Bjorn metal. That's right. It's Anderson's. He left it with Edgar the Ferryman so no one in town would see it. And that's not all. Anderson was met by one of your men at the dock when he arrived in town. He didn't come in by train. He came in from Canada. Your prohibition agent was a fraud. He was just in a competing mob is all. Oh, you're wrong. I, I checked his credentials myself. Anderson is definitely with the Prohibition Enforcement Office in St. Paul. Can I remind both of you that you're currently pointing guns at each other? Count of three? No. I'm supposed to be the peace officer. I'll go first. Fine. Thank you. Now, what was that about my force? Have you checked your men for Sons of Bjorn medals? What do you mean? Anderson snuck into town on the ferry. He lied to you about coming up by train. He checked into the nicest hotel in town, and when three suspicious-looking characters from Chicago paid him a visit, he invited them in and ordered drinks. Does that sound like a Prohibition agent to you? It doesn't sound like a rival gang leader, either. You're wrong. These men are ruthless, but they have a code. It's like a game, almost, with rules and consequences. The men that killed Anderson were sending a message to his gang, but he didn't know that. He would have glad-handed them, because as far as Anderson knew, they were all fellow bootleggers. But I keep telling you, he wasn't in a gang. He was a legitimate agent. Think about it, Bo. Why can't he be both? I heard shooting. Did you fire on my deputies? They shot first, and I fired over their heads. It's true. Why'd I was you there. do such a stupid thing like that? Because I didn't know who was on my side. And your men have been known to be a little trigger-happy. <sighs> so what now, Bo? Am I under arrest? Or do you want to do a little checking up on your men? Don't leave town. I could tell Bo was mad, but not if he was mad at me. But inside five minutes, the men in front of my bar were gone, and I wasn't arrested for shooting at them. In fact, nobody ever said a word about that night, ever. I waited as long as I could, about 12 hours, before making a phone call I really didn't want to make. But a girl can only live with so much curiosity. And there was one voice who I was certain could get me out of the dark. I expected you to call a lot sooner, Songbird. How did you know it was me, Al? Uh, you'd be amazed what they can do with telephones these days. What can I do for you, Sue? I think you know. For true, I don't. All right, then. I'll play it straight. Did you kill a federal agent in my town? <laughs> oh, that's playing it straight, all right. Did you? Well, how about we just calm down and talk sense? Alphonse, for real. Did you kill a federal agent? You're so lucky you're up in the woods, Songbird. Only my mother calls me Alphonse. I mean no slight. But things have gone to hell up here and I need some answers. And you expect to get them from me? I was in a nightclub when your friend the Fed got whacked. Two or three hundred witnesses. 
<laughs> he was no friend of mine. In fact, he tried to put me out of business. Yeah, what's all this complaining about? Sounds like your problem got solved. That's not my problem. My problem is... I thought I knew the rules of the game, and... Now I'm not so sure. Rules change sometimes. Hell, they even changed the baseball. But Al, a federal agent... That's not all he was. From what I hear, you knew it. But... Susan, you knew this day was going to come. We all did. Sure, when we started out bootlegging, it was a way to have fun and make a little money. But uh, money ain't so little no more. When that happens, it's tough to keep a lid on things. You never had any trouble before. Yeah, well, maybe I changed. Maybe I went soft. What? I know, I know. Ridiculous, ain't it? But I don't want my kids growing up ashamed of their name. Ashamed of me. So I've been trying my hand at a few legitimate investments. A little real estate here, a racehorse there. Just dabbling, really. But other folks in our business, they see my dabbling as a sign of weakness. So they test. They try and muscle in. Up here it's the Swedes. In Boston it's the Irish. I got Jews working against me in New York. I even got Cubans trying to muscle in in Miami. Can you believe that? What am I supposed to do? But he was a federal agent. So what? They got a federal agent. I got three senators, a congressman, and half the aldermen in Chicago. That's part of the game, too. What's up with you, Songbird? I thought you were smart. I was never smart, Al. I was just trying to survive. Well, ain't we all. Look, I'm sorry this had to happen on your doorstep, Susan. Really, I am. It's just business. Hey, I got a surprise for you. There's a truck coming your way, already left Minneapolis. Complete restock of what that fleet took from you. It's all on me. It'll be like it never happened. Yeah. Keep your chin up now. I promise to take care of you. And Al Capone keeps his promises, right? Right. You're my best dear copper boyfriend. Someday you gotta explain that to me. When I figure it out, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> so long, Songbird. Don't take any wooden nickels. After we hung up, I just sat by the phone for probably an hour. I reached up at one point and realized I was crying. No sobs or anything, just tears rolling down. They stopped as quick as they came. I felt cold inside and a little scared. My friends in Chicago had always been a source of, well, not exactly comfort, but something like it. I figured nothing really too bad could happen to me up here so long as I played along and kept my head down. Now that didn't seem like such a sure thing. The bar, my home, my friendship with Mary, it all seemed on shaky ground now. Everything felt shaky except Bo. There was nothing uncertain about my relationship with Sheriff John Beauregard. I knew exactly where I stood. Bo didn't say a single word to me for the next six months.
Rum Run Sue, Deception Past Perfect, an original podcast fiction mystery from the Icebox Radio Theater. Our play tonight starred Billy Joe Cones as Sue, Trelawney Irwin as Mary, Jim Yunt as Bo, Caleb Silvers as Anderson, Ian Hall as the deputy, Therese Boyer as Myrtle the maid, Jeffrey Adams as Edgar the ferryman, and Justin Kapla as Al. Tonight's script written by Jeffrey Adams. Jeffrey also did the editing, sound effects, and partial music for this episode, created with loops from Loop Masters. Some sound effects from the Freesound Project at freesound.org. The songs Despair and Triumph and Nine on the Docks provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. You can learn more about Billy Joe Cones at billyjoecones.com. This program copyright 2022 by the Icebox Radio Theater, which is solely responsible for its content. Partial funding made possible in part by the voters of Minnesota through a grant from the Minnesota State Arts Board, thanks to a legislative appropriation from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund, and through donations from our wonderful patrons and listeners. More information at iceboxradio.org. Thank you.